Hey, welcome to the Passing Control Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan, and in today's episode, episode 96, we have a special guest for you. Our guest this week is Zach Johnson from Asymmetric, or you may know him from West of Loathing. West of Loathing, if you're unfamiliar, is a hilarious Western stylized RPG. It's available on Steam, it's on Switch. It is, in my opinion, a must play. It is a game that should be on your Switch. It is so funny. There are so many times that I take screenshots of the dialogue or, or like turn to Jen or Mike and say, like, read this. It, it is so good. I'm enjoying it so much. There's there's legitimate times where I'm either have a smile on my face while I'm playing it or laughing out loud. Uh, and there's very few games that, that do that for me. So it is uh, something I'm very, very happy to have stumbled upon. And even more gracious that Zach was able to come on our show and chat with us for a little while about that. But before we get into the episode... This episode of the Pass Control Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Goodnight Fatty. If you're in the Salem, Massachusetts area on a Friday or Saturday night from 7 to 11, make sure to head on down to Higginson Square and get yourself a delicious fatty. And if you're unaware of what a fatty is, you can check them out on social media at Goodnight Fatty and investigate what these treats are. And when you do head down there, let them know the Pass the Controller sent you. And as always, you can find us on the internet at PassTheController.io, on Twitter and Instagram at PassController, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash PassController. And enjoy this week's episode, special guest episode, Zach Johnson from Asymmetric and West of Logan. You're probably not. Mm-hmm. But tonight we have a special guest in this episode. Uh, who is it? Uh, it is Zach Johnson. Tell me more. Well, why should I tell you? We have Zach here to talk for himself. Yeah, I guess we can Hi, guys. What would you like to know, Mike? Uh, all right. So definitely spelling of the first and last name. Social, mother's maiden name. <laughs> uh, we'll start from, from there and then... First, first pet where I went to where I went to middle school. Yeah, yeah. all important questions. Uh, but really, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know, Mike. But that's the most talkative you've ever been. Good, because I'm checking out for the next ninety minutes. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> but really, Zach, it's a pleasure to have you. Hey, well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a I'm a big fan of West of Loathing, which is how we got into this mess here. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I, I really enjoyed making it, and it's been fun talking to people about it in the in the interim. So, quick background for the listeners: what, because uh, West West Loathing is not your original claim to fame. Uh, it's not. I, I guess it's it's the it's certainly the the, uh, the most recent one. Um, about fifteen years ago, I was working a sort of a terrible IT job, and I started working nights and weekends on a multiplayer web game. Uh, called Kingdom of Loathing that was very similar in sort of humor and writing style and in artistic style uh, to West of Loathing, but was very much more primitive uh, technologically. Um, But that game took off, got a little bit of a following, started making some money, and I hired some people to help me with it. And a lot of those people are uh, still around and still form the team 15 years later that uh, has made West of Loathing, which is a standalone I still do the I still do the art. It's still all like just hand drawn stick figure stuff, and uh, the writing team is largely the same. 
but uh, we hired a real programmer and an actual animator <laughs> to make West of Loathing. Uh, and uh, rather than being just a sort of ongoing service that's free, uh, free and microtransaction supported, it's just a game that you buy, which is a thing we were very excited to do. Yeah, I'm sure it takes a lot of the uh, the uncertainty of dealing with a free-to-play service that people can potentially give you money. Yeah, we you know we always our our player base was always very very generous. I think that we they they kind of knew that they could trust us and that we weren't going to just constantly be making decisions to try to maximize monetization. Like we we really just wanted to make a fun game and they they kind of trusted us and took care of us and sustained us. You know, Kingdom of Loathing is still going strong. It's still uh, still paying for itself. It's um that's fantastic. I mean, very long running. Clearly microtransactions and like loot boxes and all of those things are such buzzwords and hot topics in gaming right now just in general um and i feel like there's a lot of people that do take advantage of monetization and you know gouging their fans for whatever they can get but then there's pockets of developers and communities in companies that aren't doing that so i feel like in those scenarios like for me games that i play that i will spend money on like overwatch i have sunk so much time into that game and when i'm like you know what i feel like buying some loot boxes just because i want to try to get some new skins or something i never feel bad about I'm, i mean i'm not dropping like 50 dollars, but i never feel bad about it because i've already looked at like i've put x amount of hours into this game i'm fine with giving blizzard this money yeah i i have a hard time buying cosmetics in anything but i i spend a ton of money on hearthstone um there you go. You know, yeah, and that and that's and I and I also you know I I will always on like a phone game if there is an option to give them a couple of bucks to turn off ads I will just do that a hundred percent of the time even if I don't like the game that much just because <laughs> I want I want so much to encourage that as a thing that that people do I think it's I think it's hopeless I th- I think I'm in the minority on that but uh, but still it's a. Uh, closest thing I ever get to to an ethical stance yeah I I think for me personally it boils down to if if the if the baseline game experience isn't being held back for money then if I'm enjoying the game that much I'm okay with, especially if it's free to play like Fortnite is something we spend too much time playing especially now that's on the switch and like I think that their monetization model with the Battle Pass is very smart. For one, I think it's a great business model. Um, but I think it's a way that really doesn't it doesn't force you to buy it and it doesn't like it doesn't do anything negative to you if you choose not to buy it. Yeah. We've always been pretty careful with Kingdom of Loathing to not like gate content behind stuff that you have to pay for yeah. like if if there if we do sell an item like basically we don't sell anything that costs less than ten dollars that there are a handful of things in there but not not meaningfully um and we do an item every month that costs ten dollars and sometimes it's like a new area that you can go to but it always includes a way to get like a day pass that you can trade in the player economy to somebody else so that people can have access to the content and also we never we started doing like our business model started before free to play was a very significant thing and so we didn't really we didn't have a bunch of bad actors as examples for how our model should work for so sure. we just sort of accidentally did it in a way that 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 is is kind of uncommon 
Um, but we didn't ever separate the cash shop currency and the player currency. So everything is just tradable. Like there's no, like there are a ton of people who've gotten every item of the month for the entire time that they've been playing the game without ever having, without ever giving us any money. Like as long as somebody gave it to us to get the item into the economy, um, then it's accessible without paying if you, if you're willing to just like farm the currency instead of doing stuff that's more fun. So, yeah. um, you know, and that was just always kind of like I, I feel like it really worked out for us in the long run, because like I said, people just kind of trust us. And I like to think it's because we've earned it by not not trying to not trying to gouge people or not trying to like take advantage of addictive behaviors. Or Yeah. And, and that's ultimately I think that's with some of the better examples in the industry right now with people who are doing stuff like that is if you're if you're doing right by your player base, they're going to support you because they want you to succeed at least. You know. Hopefully they do. It was it was nice. I mean, it was risky, I think, for us to pivot from a, a, a free to play with microtransactions model to just a, a premium game that we just sell. But we really didn't want we wanted to make something new, but we didn't want to make another thing that we were going to have to spend 15 years maintaining and adding content to. Um, and so the, making West of Loathing a single player game was kind of. It was kind of a foregone conclusion. Like we wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have done it as a, as a sequel to an MMO. Okay. But, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's interesting the things that you don't have to worry about. There, like West of Loathing, we didn't have to balance the economy against there being other players, or you know, like like just uh, that's the main thing, I guess. But it's okay if one item is overpowered because it's not like gonna ruin PvP. Yeah. You know, it's it, you have a whole different set of balance concerns, which is what you know I can understand why something like Overwatch goes with only cosmetic stuff because that you know that's what you can do without affecting anything. And uh, but I don't know. To me, to me, I just kind of I. I don't, I used to play a bunch of Path of Exile and I really liked it and I really wanted to give them some money, but there was nothing they sold that I wouldn't feel like a fool for spending money on. Mm -hmm. And it, and it was like, I think I ended up just giving them $50 and then never trading the $50 for anything in the cash shop <laughs> because I just didn't care about any of the cosmetics. Like that was not what I was, that was not what I was there for in that game. Mm -hmm. And I just like wanted to support the developers, but, uh. But yeah, it's weird. I, you know, some people some people get excited about about skins and stuff. I just I never I never bought any ringtones either. Back when buying ringtones was a thing. <laughs> oh, I went down that rabbit hole. That was oh fun. yeah. What was your what, what was, was your, your, yeah. What was your favorite your favorite ringtone? I'm trying to remember because there was a period of time where I had a phone where I could buy ringtones, and these were back when like they were MIDI ringtones. So it was like you know beep 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 beep, beep. but then it would sound like a real song. And then I got to a point where I learned how to make my own on the phone. Like you would just type in some numbers and like beep boop beep boop boop, and then when you put it all together, it was like boop 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 boop. I'm pretty sure that was my ringtone for some. I, someone's ringtone was that they called for a me. while. The beginning of Take on Me. Yeah. In, in MIDI. Yeah. Good. Good. So the real question is, did you then in turn buy a ring back tone when those were still a thing? You didn't. You don't remember I had ring back tones? I mean, I. Everyone had ring back tones. Yeah. You, uh, let's see, I had, I remember having, like, three, I remember one of them used to be, uh, what was it called, 1999-2000 by the Gorillas. that was one of my I don't know what tones. a ring, I don't know what a ringback tone is, I, uh, that must have been after I got old and stopped paying any attention to technology. <laughs> you're, you're better off. No. It was basically the same model of give us money, and when somebody calls you, instead of it just being like a, instead of hearing, 
like on your song. end, you would hear music. It was almost like having hold music while you were waiting for the person to yeah. pick up. Oh, I see. Okay, so it just re- yeah, it just replaced the ring. And, <laughs> and I think it always, I think it always started off with like a please enjoy this song yeah, or something. That's like, what it did. Because like you, what? it'd be weird wow. if you would just like called somebody and it immediately start playing music. You needed to have someone say, "Hey, listen, you're gonna hear some songs for a bit until this person picks up the phone. Like, deal with it." Do you think? Do you think some people just didn't have like MP3 players and they'd be like, "Listen, I'm gonna keep calling you all day while I'm working out because I want I need to listen to the song. Just don't pick up." Oh yeah, or they just like call a payphone in the middle of nowhere where they know (laughs) no one will pick up so that they can listen to it. I I would be I would feel ripped off every time the person that I wanted to talk to picked up before I got to hear the whole song because it's not what I'm here for. Yeah, it's true. I mean, who who talks on the phone anymore anyway? I know I don't. I definitely do. I, you know, I, I talk to my mom. Well, I do too, but like, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, she's like the one person that leaves voicemails too. Voicemails to not actually tell me what they're calling for. Just like, hey, call me back because this information needs to be transmitted in real time. I'm so bad with answering my phone purposely, especially because I, I, during my day job, I use my cell phone a lot as like a point of contact for myself. So I... I'm getting phone calls all day, and if the number's never, if it's not saved in my phone, I never pick it up. And if they don't leave a voicemail, I don't call it back, because clearly it wasn't important. Yeah. Or it was just some, I get eight or ten robocalls a day now, and it's just always some trash, and it's like, that's, I'm the same thing. If I, if I don't recognize the number, if, if this is something that is real, they will leave me a voicemail. If not, it was... I, I get those all day, and I have an iPhone, and it gives you the like opera it gives you the option to block this caller, mm-hmm. and I do that every time, and it's still I get ten more the next day. They spoof numbers. They they sp- like I most of the ones that I get are from the first six digits of my phone number, oh, and then too. four random digits. Yeah, and you just can't like I guess in rural areas that would trick you into thinking it was one of your neighbors or whatever. But uh-huh. like to me, that is absolutely how I know that it's a robocall because there's no one else. You know, there was that XKCD about like your cell phone number, the first three digits represent where you lived in 2002, <laughs> and then the rest of it is seven random numbers. Like, that makes sense. I, because I get a lot of, I look at a lot of area codes for Salem, where we, where we live, and it's like, I don't, nobody in Salem is calling me. If they need me, they're text messaging me or just not talking to me. Like, that's, yeah, it's, there's no phone calls. And it's, it's always, Salem, Salem, Massachusetts? Yes, that's where we, where okay. we live. Are you are you from the East Coast or you're from Arizona? Uh, no, no. Uh, well, so I grew up on a farm in uh, in Southern Illinois, and then moved to Arizona in high school, and then moved to San Francisco like five years ago. So, okay, that's traveling. So just great keep keep going west. Not the globe. Yeah. states. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're you're getting closer to the coast, you're better off. Yeah, West of Loathing is uh, ended up being accidentally kind of semi-autobiographical because you start off on a farm and then you go to a southwestern <laughs> town and slowly make your way to Frisco. Huh. Which I named specifically because no one here ever calls the city Frisco, and it, that's just like a thing that really annoys people from San Francisco if you do it. So. I, I don't know if I've ever heard someone in person call San Francisco Frisco. Yeah. Maybe yeah. on like TV or something. I don't even think I've heard... Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's a way that it's a way that you would characterize. Like, if you were trying to write a character that was obnoxious and didn't know what they were talking about, or like a a hey fellow kids kind of thing, it's a, huh. sort yeah. of a, a signifier of outsiderdom here. Yeah. All right. The only thing I know about San Francisco is Full House. 
Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's basically that's basically where the culture here peaked. That's all you need <laughs> to know, Mike. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Golden Gate Bridge. All right, done. Mm-hmm. Milkman, Paperboy, Evening TV. Got it. Jesus Christ. Um, so to pivot back to West Lothian just for a moment, I full disclosure, when I first discovered this game, because I don't play, I, I have a little bit of action on my Steam account, but I don't play a lot of stuff on my computer, um, mostly console for the most part, but when I first discovered West of Lothian, it was during one of the Nintendo Directs this year, or maybe late last year, I think it was the beginning of this year, January, February or something, and when it was in the indie sizzle reel, I was like, it, it just didn't do anything for me. And then this past year at PAX East, we're, you know, we're in the Nintendo booth for a while, and going through all the indie games, I because I, I, I love independent games. I pl- try to play and support as many indie developers as I can. Um, but when we were going through the booth, it was just something that it just didn't, for some reason, I just looked at it and I'm like, this, I don't think this is a game for me. And then... The day that it launched on the eShop, I was like laying in bed because I, I like play my Switch every goddamn night, and I'm laying in bed and I'm like, you know what? Let me look at what people are saying about this on the internet. And I, you know, read a few different you know reviews and some some other things, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna give this game a shot. And I'm telling you right now that I can't sing the praises highly enough. It is so fucking good. Well, thank you. I, I, I think that that's a big a big advantage that we have is that it doesn't really look like anything, and so once somebody discovers how much there is to it, it is a, like it's just a very pleasant surprise. I think the the art style kind of sets expectations low. And, uh, I I honestly that that was the, probably the thing for me that was like I was looking at it from a distance with my you know looking at the art style saying I don't think this is a game for me. And then, lo and behold, I was just telling Mike before we started recording, I would argue that this is probably one of the best written video games I've ever played in my life. Like, the dialogue is fucking phenomenal. Um, the Spittoons, I, I, like, it's my fa- I've screenshotted so many parts of dialogue from this game, and then I never post them, because I'm like, you know what, I don't want to spoil this for someone else. I just want someone else to play it and read it and enjoy it. Yeah, Riff, th- so I, I did maybe... 20% of the writing and and uh, the remaining 80% was Riff Connor um, the other writer and uh, the spittoons were all him I I'd, I sort of decided all right there's going to be spittoons it we're, we're going to make it so you have to read some really gross stuff to get like good items out of them and I I sort of tagged the first one to him to write and I said all right there's going to be seven of these and they should get progressively grosser and he sent back the first one and I and I just asked like how how are you going to get worse than this? <laughs> like you, you just sort of started at ten, but like ah man, he did such a good job with those. It, it's that, so that's, great. That is like the thing that that is that's the like the the stupid walking animations. Like Wes Cleveland, our animator, is also just turned out to be a secret weapon because I had no idea whether my art style was going to look like anything at all in motion. And y- you can still argue that it doesn't, but you can't uh, you can't blame him for it because he did just an incredible job of bringing them to life in a way that sort of sells the sells them as being real things in a world it's for it's for a game that is black and white stick figures it is like it breathes so much character like the animations like the art style again from like a distance from judging a book by its cover you might have things to say about it but as you're playing it especially on the switch i feel like the switch 
sometimes, because I play a lot in portable mode, and I feel like when you're playing handheld, it's like a much more, not romantic, but like a much more personal experience. Does that make sense? I'm still yeah. stuck on how you, your first word was, eh, well, not romantic, but this is definitely in the ballpark. My God, I'm listen, I'm playing in bed. I don't want to tell you what happens on my Switch. No, it's, I mean, it's it's intimate, I think, is that, like, intimate. right? That's it's, the right it's, word. Yeah, intimate that's a the... way better word. Well, Mike, I didn't say I was intelligent. No, it's clearly not apparent. Listen, we're crowds, we're a crowdsourced, this, uh, you know that word I'm talking about. Not intelligent. No, I'm <laughs> not intelligent. I was going to say synonym. No, what is the book that you get synonyms from and antonyms? A thesaurus. A, thes- a thesaurus? Yes. Yeah. Jesus. This man was an English major. I was an English major and a creative writing minor. Um, I can write really well. Talking, not so much. Mm. I'm actually a really big introvert, and every aspect of my life involves me to talk extensively. And it has clearly not helped you in one bit. No, definitely not. But anyways, um, yeah, I, as you were saying about just him bringing the art style to life, it, it is... There's so much detail in something that is seemingly, you would argue, like devoid of detail because it's stick figure. Um, like there's yeah, so you know, much it, going on with the shadows. Like there's there's a lot of effects that make it come to life. It reminds me a lot of Paper Mario. In that regard. Yeah, that was definitely uh, that was definitely a real touchstone for us in doing this. The, the the shadows that's the work of Victor Thompson, the programmer who we didn't we didn't even ask for that. Like he was just like, oh, I bet this would be funny, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, the the art style like it it was definitely very crude in the beginning of KOL. It was just like what what I could do yeah. because it was a one man operation, right? Like the game was written as well as I could write, which was which was okay, and it was it was programmed as well as I could program, which was like serviceable. Uh, the database stuff I was fine with. Like that was what I did for a living, so like having, you know, a, like building a login system was like I could do that just easily. But um the the art, you know, it was meant to be pretty crude, but then I just kept doing it for 15 years mm-hmm. and so it it actually sort of evolved into a style and I got like you know I, I became a lot more consistent and like I just learned like sort of what worked and what didn't work and like what looked good as representations of, of things in this style and like I think at the very least like a lot of people just don't like it and that's fine it's not for them right like if 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 it's gonna bother you that it's a stick figure game and that makes it so you can't play it like we're just we're never gonna get you yeah right so it's it's you know it's fine just just you can there's a lot of other games that that look better but i think at the very least it is of a piece right like n- there's nothing that suddenly like looks like it it was a mistake or mm-hmm. looks fundamentally different from the rest of of the of the art and so that's it just you know it it lets it sort of fly under the radar the the consistency just becomes like a sort of a good feeling about playing it yeah no i mean again i after being able to sit down and play the game and enjoy it in my own world, I, I fell in love with it. Like, I love your art style. I, I love... I like when somebody chooses to do something and then goes all in and does what they're doing. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at on every aspect of it, right? Like, the it's... There's... I don't know. I, I mean, I guess there's like spooky and creepy parts of of the game, but it's all you know. We just don't write anything without at least trying to make it a joke. Yeah. A- and I think that 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 really helps the game 
you know, because it's it's like mechanically, it's not like the the combat. I think is the weakest designed portion of it, and I, and like I can I can take full responsibility for that. Like we just were like, well, we've got this pretty powerful combat engine, and like one of these days, it's going to be time to really focus on making the combat good. And then it's like, ah, shit, it's release date in like two weeks. Uh, so I guess the combat will be mediocre. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know when I when I sit down and like try to like gather my thoughts about this game. Part of me is like the the combat could be more involved and it could be deeper, but at the same time, sometimes in my mind I'm like, you know what? I want to just get through the combat because I just want to get back to the dialogue. Like I just want to get back to being in that world because everything feels so alive. Like I still haven't finished the game because I literally am trying to do everything possible. Like every town I want to go to, like every little outpost I just want to interact with everyone in the game because it's so well done and I'm also I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea for my first playthrough but I got the black hat that increases the difficulty oh yeah and I decided to put it on and it's fine but I'm like it makes it I mean it just it makes it so you have to pay a lot more attention to the the combat and you have to watch your stats and stuff like yeah it's a I kind of like playing the game that way we ended up because because the like it's so it, it it the game ended up being way more sort of open world than we were expecting it to be mm-hmm. and that made it so we just have no idea when you go in to fight a given monster like what have you done like what equipment do you, I mean we obviously like know in the code like what equipment you're wearing but we didn't want to do the like oblivion thing where everything every monster just scaled to your level or whatever yeah Right. And so it just became when we realized it became impossible to really balance combat in a satisfying way. It's like, well, let's just let's just make it really easy and then give you this optional mode to toggle really hard. Yeah. Did you find that? Did you find that on your own without without looking up spoilers? I haven't looked up guides for anything. Oh, nice. Except that was, you, you, were, you must have been very thorough then to I, find the to find I'm, the hard hat I'm on your first playthrough. Like I, I have a switch right here. I'm curious to see how many hours I've put into it so far. Um, but the only thing that I looked up was the the pickle factory, only because I did not remember a goddamn thing that they said in front, and I could I don't know if there's a way to, but I couldn't get that interaction to spawn again. So I'm like, yeah, there there is that we so we for a long time there wasn't, and that was just kind of that was like part of me being a dick with that puzzle design. But every <laughs> beta tester complained about it, and so we added. Uh, there's like a graveyard off to the side and you can go talk to the ghost of the foreman lady. Uh, but because, because the scene was already laid out without that in place, mm-hmm. it we didn't position it such that you can see the graveyard without actually walking over there. Okay. And so a lot of people just don't know that it's there uh, and so end up having to look it up anyway. So yeah, that, I, that was just a... I that w- that should have been... I wonder if I did walk in... Because I just my habits as a gamer in general i always like i don't know if it was like donkey kong country that instilled this in me but i always walk to the sides like because the first level in donkey kong country you walk to the left it's like you get a free life i always check the sides of everything i'm like a such a it takes me a long time to complete certain games just because like in a dungeon crawler i have to go down every path i have to check every goddamn chest if i see something off in the distance i need to know what it is um yeah, and we and I think we kind of knew that this is the kind of game that was going to prompt that kind of behavior and so it made it extra important to us to like 
make sure that we were not like wasting the player's time. So like at least there should be a joke over here. Yeah. Right. And the, like and we didn't like, we didn't ever put in just like a dungeon for the sake of being a dungeon, yeah. right? Like it it's just everything everything had something about it. Which is like the the reason why I want to like crawl every corner of the space because I always run into something like that legitimately will make me laugh. Like I'll be you know laying in bed and I'll something will actually make me laugh and I'll like turn to my girlfriend like hey Jen like read this and she'll be like I don't get it I'm like well I don't get you and then I go back to enjoying <laughs> enjoying my life <laughs> so I'm gonna go back to being intimate with my switch exactly my switch understands me he gets it he, yeah it's he romantic it. I remember yeah <laughs> okay, like, um, but yeah I, I uh, Wes of Loathing god damn I I, t- I literally tell everyone everyone well you're making me blush <laughs> Um. So, is Kingdom of Loathing? If I'm a fan of West of Loathing, is Kingdom of Loathing something I need to go to? Eh, maybe. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't cost anything to check it out. the The writing is this is the same ish. I mean, it's a lot of it is old. A lot of the early game stuff is stuff that we made 15 years ago too. So it's not like it's not as good a quality in general. But like, it's a lot grindier. I mean, it's it's sort of a like energy system. Like you have a certain number of turns you can play every day, and it's a it ends up being a lot more repetitive just because it's you get through the content really really fast because you're just clicking and reading it yeah. right you don't there's no time spent like walking from place to place okay um it's i mean it's like yeah you know it it costs nothing to try right yeah, I'll like check so it out. You know, I mean, I but check- also you can just like flip through the wiki right like if if what you're going for is just like the jokes and the broad concepts like there is an extremely detailed comprehensive and expansive fan wiki for it which like you can just kind of tab around and like you know there's like there's like almost 10,000 items that all have like joke descriptions written for them and like it would take a really long time to get them all and you'd get bored before you know because there aren't that many places to go and monsters to fight right like yeah. you 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 kind of run out of jokes in kingdom of loathing in a way that you don't really in in west of loathing because you in west of loathing you can kind of exhaust a space and you know you've done it mm-hmm. whereas like in kingdom of loathing it's like oh, i'll just keep farming stuff here and you just kind of get to the point where you click through without really reading it it's it's just, it's a different kind of game okay you know? I'll, I'll still check it out i mean i when I was looking through what else you've done and, and Asymmetric has done, I uh, I found Crack Rocks the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. Even even like the little dialogue that I read while I was playing through it a little bit, like uh, you know, a troll or an ogre missed you. Why didn't you write? Like it took me yeah. a few times, and then I was like, I was like, why didn't I write? Am I supposed to be typing something in this game? And then I'm like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot, and this is hilarious. Yeah, that, that, uh, man, I forget. I forget about that thing sometimes. There's the. I guess there. There was never a point. Like even when I was, a, I can go. Like, I've I've become like weirdly reobsessed with uh, Quick Basic in the last few weeks, and I was looking at a bunch of games that I wrote in Basic when I was a kid, and I was like, I look at some of the dialogue and stuff, and I just I'm like, man, I was always like this. There was just like it's it's weird to just see the 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 germs of that kind of stuff in like you know all right i like i'm not gonna write some like this this game is crack rocks the barbarian obviously is just this goofy shit right Mm -hmm. like it would make it would make no sense to do this like earnest grimdark writing for it and so 
Like, it's also, like, faster to just write a dumb joke than it is to write, like, a good, compelling, elegant sentence. So it's, um, or at least for me it is. It's, I, and it's also easier for me to put something out there for people to consume if, it, if I don't, if it's not something that's really meant to be taken super seriously. Yeah. Which I think is just, like, you know, the kind of insecurity that any creative person who puts stuff out there has. For sure. But it, it also just wound up being this, like, shortcut to success for for us so it's like well i can't you know i can't uh i I can't say that i regret the approach yeah i mean i I don't want you to sell yourself short because i like i think the humor and the dialogue especially in west loathing is like top notch like i think it rivals like some of the better like tv comedies like as far as something that's along the same line i don't know I, i get like a little bit of rest development vibes where there's jokes that you can miss if you aren't paying attention um, well, that, that's good. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I think that where we would kind of fall down uh, as as writers is we're not we don't have a lot of like story chops. Right. Like we don't like the story of, of West of Loathing is not it's it's kind of an open world with a very remedial main quest. Mm-hmm. Right. And that and we're just not really we're not really good at like character arcs and stuff. We're more of a just like flavor writing and like, I mean, there could be like, they'll just be all right. One NPC that you talk to for a while, and what what way? What's the way in which this NPC is weird? You know, what's his weird obsessive tick or whatever? And, uh, and yeah, yeah, it it would be like I think that we, I think that Riff or I could be extremely valuable like in the writers' room of a comedy show. Yeah, but I don't, but I don't think that either of us would ever like come in with a spec script that was any good. Because it's just like not the, it's not the style of work that we're practiced yeah. at, you know. We, like I think we'd be we'd be fine at just like you know punching stuff up or like adding throwaway jokes, like you know. Sometimes though, I but think yeah. the collaborative effort is sometimes better than one person making all the, you know, writing decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I and my my impression of the way that writing on stuff like that goes is that somebody comes in with like basically an outline, and then the jokes get workshopped by a big table full of people. And and uh, it's it's just I can't imagine being the person making the outline. But I but I would really love to. I would just actually like to like be in, the, like the Simpsons writers' room, even even like late period Simpsons, right? Like it would just be interesting to me to see what that kind of like camaraderie and process was like because it's so fun on the scale that we do it Mm -hmm. just like the the like so many of the features in west of loathing are we were trying to figure out how to solve some problem and we would just keep making dumb jokes about how we could solve the problem until one of them was like oh wait that's actually practical and funny that's what is going to go into the game and so it just the the process of us all kind of trying to make each other laugh uh, is is what resulted in the the thing being as good as it is. Yeah, and yeah, I I don't know. I I I really enjoy. I really enjoy working with the people that I work with, and that I think is, uh, I think that like satisfaction and joy really come through in the finished product. Like we're all just really happy to be doing this. That's the I mean chemistry like that. I mean that's one of the intangibles. You can't buy that. You can't manufacture that. That's just. If the people working on it are are the people that are meant to be there and the people that get along, like that will always produce a better product than, you know, people that are just there to do a job. Yep. Yeah, and this there was nobody there was nobody that was just like doing this for the paycheck. You know, like it it just we all we all were very excited and like it. I don't know. You know, you don't want to. 
especially with the indie games market the way that it is now, you don't want to like count your chickens before they hatch. But like, we honestly, I think we all kind of knew that we were onto something. Like, after the first like year of development, it was like, ah, man, I think this is actually going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, we at least knew that it was something that we were going to be really proud of, even if it didn't sell. Yeah. Right? Which, I mean, we just happened to come out on PC on a day when, like, there weren't any other real notable releases, you know? Like, I mean, we were consistently being outsold by, like, PUBG and Slime Rancher, just like everything in 2017. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but, you know, we just, we, we were just like, because, like, you know, all it would have taken was for, like, five AAA games to go on sale, and we would have been knocked off the top of the charts and gotten so much less attention yeah. on Steam. And it just, we just, we got, we were very fortunate, you know? I mean, it, it, I'm sure it helps that it was critically received pretty well. Um, y- yeah, that, that, that did. Actually, um, Emily Morganti, our, our, our PR person, is just, like, so like she's really well connected and just did such a good job of explaining the game to press in a way that we never would have been able to mm-hmm. uh and and contextualizing it in a way that like you don't have to know anything about kingdom of loathing to to understand this which was a kind of we were worried that that was going to be a big hurdle that people would think that that it was like a sequel to something yeah you know but what we were you know the reason that we played up that aspect of it so much is because we were sort of in this like, well, we can't count on this being a huge hit, right? Because the there are just the the space is so crowded. But if we can just sell it to like a fraction of the people who've played KOL, we'll be fine. We will like make enough money that we can make another one of these and then sell that one to them and whatever. And we we didn't need it to be as big of a hit as it was. But like, yeah, the press helped. The press helped a great deal. It's just like getting that like really good polygon review the night of like that was not something that we were expecting yeah and it was just like i went to bed that night thinking like wow this is maybe gonna go really really well and then over the next couple of weeks it just proved to like oh yep good we can keep doing this for years yeah and that is a very nice feeling i mean there's so many like video game market is just oversaturated in general but there are so many indie games that come out especially on steam like i mean steam is is what it is and it's very easy, I'm sure, for anybody's game to get lost in the in the shovel. And there's such a gap of like what the mainstream video game media covers when it comes to indie games. Like they, they can only cover so many games. So I mean, for you guys to get because Polygon Destructoid also off. Yeah, Destructoid did a thing. Um, there was like a there was like a brief like I think Giant Bomb did a quick play of it. Um, that I got Rolling Stone yes, wrote Rolling a thing Stone, about yeah. it, which was that was crazy. Um, it was briefly mentioned in the New Yorker in the context of uh, D. Rees, the woman who uh, directed the movie Mudbound. They did they did just this weird article about her that was like, you know, how sometimes you'll see like an article that's an interview with somebody and it spends the first few paragraphs just describing like the weird shit that's in their living room or whatever (laughs) this was just that part like they didn't then go on to talk to her about anything else it was just a few paragraphs about D. Reese playing West of Loathing like it was the weirdest thing Uh, but you know I'll take it yeah why not Um, with all that being said how do you I don't know if you see I'm sure you may have seen this but Nintendo coming out saying that they want they're pushing to release 20 to 30 indie games on the switch a week 
Okay. Yeah, that seems bananas. To me. I mean, that that puts that puts them in like steam territory, yeah. right? Like we we got kind of lucky. We we did not assume. I mean, the Switch didn't exist when we started developing for it, and or when we started developing the game rather, and we kind of assumed that like we wouldn't necessarily push to any consoles. But then when Nintendo came to uh, like Nintendo called us and was like, hey, we think this game would be a good fit for our platform. And we were just like, holy shit. That's OK. That's awesome. I love it. Was it like was it Damon that got in touch with you or Kirk? Kirk. Yeah. yeah they, they're uh, great at what they're doing like they are. They're getting a lot yep. of quality games onto that platform. Yeah, when when we when we went in to meet with them, like it was it was Kirk who reached out initially, and then we we got in there, and like the, our our meeting was with Kirk and Damon. But but yeah, and then they and then they just really, you know, we we had sort of been told that Nintendo doesn't do like a ton of like the kind of curation and promotion stuff that Steam or or Apple does, mm-hmm. right? There's not like you know you can't like I guess can you wish list stuff on the Switch? Yeah, I think now? you can wish list stuff, There's something, but it's still like I'm I'm pretty. On top, I mean, because I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm on top of the things that are coming out as they're coming out. So I'm very active in the eShop, so I don't miss things too often. But I yeah. mean, to the regular gamer, there's if your if your game doesn't hit one of the like splash screens of either, you know, the what's new, you know, what's featured, what's coming soon, or the top top games. Um, I mean, it's it, incredibly easy to be missed, especially if they're gonna push yeah, that, just that many games. Yeah, and those lists are only twenty or thirty items long. So if that like you're gonna have no time at all in the spotlight if if you don't like just have some external factor differentiating you. We we were lucky because Nintendo really they just really pushed us, right? Like they they put us in their like GDC uh demo thing. Like that was kind of the hard deadline for it. We started talking to them end of last year and they wanted us to have something ready they were like can you get this playable by gdc to the point where we can show it to press we're like uh sure yeah that seems like a reasonable deadline for us to have and then uh you know they, they just wanted to put us in the spring nindies thing so it was they, they were great like it was just it's been a dream and it's like you know it's we, there was there was like one article quoted it quoted us as saying like it's like a third of steam sales which we are and it was it almost was phrased in a way that that was like sounded negative but like we were not expecting it to be that much yeah like it it has done extremely well for us on switch and like a third of like it was a third of steam sales for the first like couple weeks but like think about the install base of those two things right like it's you know it's 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 done very very well it was probably phrased that way because i feel like a lot of the press around a lot of indie games that come to the switch and find success it, they say like, oh, this sold, this outsold what it did on PS4. This outsold what it did on Steam. So I mean, realistically, that that could also mean well, it didn't do that well on Steam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just what it means what it means for us is that we just did way better than we or anybody else expected to on Steam. Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, guys, it's it also it just it revealed the, you hit the top selling. Cause I, I could have sworn maybe the your Twitter account tweeted it out that you guys were at the number eleven spot for a little while. Yeah, I, I think we're still in the top thirty, like download only games. Like we keep keep bouncing around there, uh, even now on the on the Switch storefront, which is crazy. We didn't expect that. We we stayed in the top top ten or twenty on Steam for several weeks too. Like it was it was weird. We had a we had kind of an early burst, but then also the fact that when when we first launched, um, we we had shown at PAX East, uh, the year. 
the PAX East of 2017, I guess. And uh, Markiplier's girlfriend came by the booth and loved it and dragged him over and said, you have to play this game. You have to make a video of this. And he said, sure, 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 fine, fine, fine. And we, you know, gave him a key, which he never redeemed. And we were like, yeah, that's that was that was clearly just never going to happen. But then on launch day, it was like, no, nope, here's this video of Markiplier playing West of Loathing and four million people saw it. Like he just bought it instead of redeeming the key that we sent him. That's amazing. It was like, oh, huh. OK. And that like he just seems to like if he plays something, then that means 500 other like smaller scale ambitious streamers are going to play it. And so we ended up with that that vector, which we were expecting no traction from at all. Yeah, we did not imagine we did not imagine that it would be a game that people would want to stream just because it's so reading heavy. But like it turns out streamers want to be funny. And if all they have to do to be funny is read something funny, then it's easier for them than, you know, know, we hadn't counted on that. I mean, not not to go off on like a Twitch or streamer tangent, oh but like a lot of streams that I pop into for a little while, they all read the dialogue of whatever game they're playing. So yeah, I'm sure people are just like, this is a slam dunk. We're just getting free laughs here. Yeah, no, and I, and I like because I'm an old. I just never watch people play games, and so I like I haven't even watched. Like I I watched the first like two or three minutes of the first Markiplier video, and it was like. This combines my like my two least favorite things, which are watching people stream video games <laughs> and watching someone read stuff that I wrote. Like I'm like, oh my god! Like I just like was just wincing the entire time and just turned it off. But I'm like, you know, I'm happy for these millions of other people who got to enjoy that. But uh, but yeah, I, I just you know we we didn't and none of I guess I guess Riff the other writer he he watches a lot of let's plays. Um, which is kind of a different thing, but like I, I don't know. Like I, to me, it's like kind of a get off my lawn thing. Like try, like what? I was like, oh, I wonder what this PewDiePie thing is all about. Holy shit! This is what people like. Like it, I, I'm ready to die now. Yeah. Like the the world makes no sense to me. I mean, Markiplier is way more charming than most of those people, but mm. but still, it's just like I just I don't know. I would rather play a game, right? I was an only child. I never really had to like sit and watch my brother play Super Mario Brothers waiting for it to be my turn so I just like don't like watching other people play video games I I'm the same way we stream a little bit but it's more of like when we stream we're streaming something like Overwatch or whatever and it's it's kind of like a off hour podcast to the people that tune in because we're just like shooting the shit and doing what we would normally be doing just not really that focused Um, but yeah as far as like tuning into other people it's not something I can it's just not like I'll pop around when I have the like open on my on my laptop, but as far as like sitting down, like oh, it's this person's time to stream. This is how I'm gonna spend my evening. I, I don't understand. We did a few um, like live development streams for Kingdom of Loathing. We would sort of start a world event, and then I would be like adding stuff to the game, which was then just immediately playable, just because of the way Kingdom of Loathing works. Like all like we can kind of just do live development, and so that was pretty that was pretty fun. Like those were those were entertaining for 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 me to do, and and I could understand somebody like who was into Kingdom of Loathing wanting to watch that happen. Yeah, and, like, you know stuff like that. Get, like there's a there's a girl that I know that she streams cooking. And I think that's cool. I mean, it's not video game related, but it's like her doing yeah. her own cooking show, which is different. And uh, I've one of the one of the uh, pixel artists at Yacht Club. He'll sometimes uh, stream him working on 
pixel art for Shovel Knight. And I oh, think that's really man. Cool. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would watch the shit out of yeah, that. Yeah. Like, that's... Stuff like, like that. It's, it's like, cool. like what, something that you can watch and, like, actually learn something, right? Like, and I mean, I guess I could imagine, like, if somebody, like... I could imagine enjoying watching somebody play Hearthstone if they were really good at it, if they were also good at, like, talking through why they were making the decisions that they were making in a way that, like, I guess I did watch a bunch of videos of uh, this guy, Viva Fringe, uh, who, he has uh, this series of videos that all have, like, two or three hundred views because he's playing this game called Syncopaus, which is this, like, kind of esoteric iPhone roguelike by a, a designer named Michael Bro that I really like a lot. And it is just this incredibly difficult and confusing game. And watching somebody who was way, way better at it than I am sort of talk through their reasoning about the decisions that they were making, that was actually pretty good. Because, it, because again, it's like you can watch something if it's like, oh, I'm going to get better at a thing by watching this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess streams like that are, would be pretty interesting, especially something like Hearthstone where it's like built around strategy and it's like, this is why I'm, you know, building this type of deck or this is why I'm doing this the chain of moves or whatever. Yeah. And the stuff like making decisions based on what you anticipate that your opponent might have, right? Those are the things where it's like, I have a hard time like getting my head around the kind of broader strokes strategy like that and so just like watching other people do it i could imagine being valuable yeah so uh, one of the other things on your website is for procedural generated stuff and it seems like yeah, you're a big I, fan of that yeah I, I i i like to dabble with it i we don't tend to we tend to make these just like very content driven games that we just don't have a lot of place for for proc gen stuff but i i really enjoy just sort of messing around with it do you play a lot of games that are procedurally generated or no yeah i do um i like i played a ton of spelunky like i think that spelunky is if i had to pick like the best game i think it's probably spelunky if i had to pick my favorite game it's probably fallout 3 still but uh yeah, I think Spelunky is just like an incredibly designed game that uses uses procedural generation in like the best possible way. But I also played a ton of Binding of Isaac. Um, I play a lot of like old text roguelikes too. Like not not I'm not any good at any of them, but like played a bunch of NetHack and you know over the years. Yeah, I, I always think it's weird. I feel like there's a there's like a complete split. Like there's people that like roguelikes and like procedurally generated stuff, and there's people that just do not get it and do not care and don't want to do it. Um, yeah, man, I'm not like crazy about. It. I'm not like crazy about it either way. But there are like some great roguelikes and great uh, procedurally generated stuff that I play. Like Tumble Seed is fantastic. Um, you played it on the Switch? Yeah, I bet that would be way. I had I had a hard time with it on the PC. I bet it would be way. I bet it would make way more sense on the Switch. Yeah, it's it. It was very enjoyable. It's it gets very difficult very quickly. Um, but I, oh, yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it a lot. It was it was very fun. Um, what else? Enter the Gungeon is another good one. Yeah, I have a hard time. Like I tend to like a a Robotron style twin stick where okay. the the direct the directions that you can shoot are sort of fixed. Yeah. Enter the Gungeon. Like I have a hard time with that like Hotline Miami style of controls where it's a little easier with a gamepad, I guess. Which is what I like. Enough people that I whose opinions I respect have gotten seriously into Enter the Gungeon that I probably ought to give it another chance and just try to play with a controller. That like aiming 
a twin stick shooter where I'm aiming with a mouse reticle, I always just like lose track of where it's at and I'm, I'm terrible at them. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. it there, and there's some good humor in there with like the the loadouts and stuff. Um, so one of the things that it, at this point is just now a thing that we ask everybody. It, it, it was a debate long ago on some older episode and then it turned into a like cascading callback of debates where it always came up again and then the fans got involved and then we just started asking guests when we have guests on. So... I guess first I'll put this here. Do you partake in fast food? Like, do you like like fast food? Or I do. Yeah. Okay. So then, do you have a preference of like like a like a best and worst or? Yeah. So okay. The the things that I the the only fast food that like because I basically like I don't want to like die of a heart attack. Okay. Right. So I I have to do it pretty sparingly. Uh, when I am. When I am driving a long distance is the only time that I will ever eat McDonald's uh, and I'll get like a double cheeseburger and a and a spicy McChicken sandwich. And like that's that's just a meal while I'm driving. Yeah, uh, I will sometimes uh, I'll get some Doritos Tacos Loco from Taco Bell. I had Taco there's Bell a, today. Uh, Don't judge me. There is a there is a town. There's a town south just south of San Francisco called Pacifica. And there is this there is a beach that a Taco Bell has moved into some old, much nicer building. So it's just this weirdly nice Taco Bell on the beach, which I will often like that. It's like a good weird date place. Yeah. Um, it's like a Taco so, Bell yeah, palace. A, yeah. It's, it's just like a weird, like you can just like sit at Taco Bell and like look at out at people surfing and stuff while you, um, but the thing, the thing that I actually get pretty routinely that I think is the best uh, the best fast food thing that you can get is uh, like a regular roast beef from Arby's with a couple of sides of the cheddar sauce. And you pour one of those cheddars on the sandwich and you dip the curly fries in the other cheddar. And that's just like the most like revolting, but incredible. It sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's just it's just like fat and salt, right? Like it's it's like just everything that you're evolutionarily programmed to eat until it kills you. Yeah. Um, so outside of Arby's roast beef like places aren't like a thing on the West Coast, right? Yeah, not really. Like I you know, there was racks in Illinois when I was growing up, but I've never seen one of those outside of the tiny town that I grew up in. I don't I don't think it exists anymore. Ro- um, roast beef p- places, especially in Massachusetts, are like from my house, from where I'm sitting right now, there's like four in like a 10 mile radius. Wow, I'm gonna go there. Ro- that sounds incredible. Roast beef is like a I, none of them are Arby's, by the way. They, we don't have. Is there even an Arby's in Massachusetts? I don't uh, think so. Maybe only, New Hampshire. There's one in. I don't know if it's still there. There's one at the Salmon Pond Mall, the one that's in Worcester. Which is yeah, it's a fucking hike. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There, I, when I was when I was a kid, Hardee's was a roast beef. Like they they specialize in roast beef sandwiches. Then I think they either like merged with Carl's Jr. or yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's Hardee's Carl's Jr. We don't have either of those. Yeah. 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 I wonder if it's just the roast beef market. They just can't crack the roast beef market here. Oh, and you put Helm, you put Hellman's mayonnaise on it instead of Best Foods mayonnaise. <laughs> so and they, your and your your radio stations start with W. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's like I I don't like mayonnaise, so I don't get it this way. But like the way yeah, no, me neither. Yeah, mayonnaise is fucking disgusting. Um, <laughs> the so we have you ever heard of the game King of the Hat? 
It's not okay. No. It's a it's a small it's like three people indie studio out of Canada. Um, we met them at PAX. We had them on a couple months ago, and uh, the episode quickly divulged into us just like pretty much like brainstorming a video game as the episode. We were just like pitching ideas and like talking about whatever. And for like a majority of the episode, it was about uh, like uh, this mayonnaise wizard. We went in this whole tangent about mayonnaise, and at the end of the episode, I think I broke their heart, and I was like, guys, I fucking hate mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a mayonnaise, you know, a mayonnaise wizard is, like, the kind of thing that we would we would put in but yeah the the gag would be the gag would be that it was awful right yeah, like it exactly. wouldn't be like oh here comes here comes the here comes the mayonnaise wizard to not fuck up my sandwich it would be like it's like he would just be making everything worse all the time that that is for me personally that's like the cardinal sin of fast food when i order like a spicy chicken sandwich from wendy's and i'm like no mayonnaise and it comes with yeah. mayonnaise. Because mayonnaise is like that thing where even if I take the top bun off, it's still on my fucking sandwich. Like it's still yeah, on you the can't, chicken. You can't get rid of it, yeah. Like if I, you know, I don't really like tomato on a on a fast food sandwich. But like if you take the tomato off, it's fine. Exactly. Right? Like it's not, yeah. it like makes it a little wet. Yeah, no, I always, I always just like, it, like no mayo mustard instead. And I just like make sure that it says that on the screen oh. before I... See, I never thought about subbing a sauce. I feel like subbing a sauce is less margin from the mess up because they're gonna have to look and say, "Oh, I need to put ketchup." Yeah, on this. it just makes them think. It makes <sighs> them think about it more, right? Yeah. You got start getting a mustard on your chicken sandwich. It's gonna change the whole game. I'm gonna get something. Oh, on oh man, it's, it's a fast food spicy chicken sandwich with mustard and and a slice of cheese on it. Ah, very very good. All right, all right. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Um, doing it right it, after the this. whole man, the whole mayonnaise <laughs> tangent was because in Massachusetts. You can get a, they call it like a roast beef three-way, which is cheese, barbecue sauce, and mayonnaise. But fuck mayonnaise. Just give me that cheese. Yeah, wow. Yeah, sauce. give me the two, give me, give me the two-way. Exactly. That's, that's, um. But yeah, oh my God. If you're, if you're ever out on the East Coast or here again for PAX or something, let us know. I will point you, because I mean, there's some, if you're going to get roast beef, you got to go to a good, a good place. And I, yeah, yeah, no, I like the idea of going to like a fancy version of Arby's is extremely appealing to me. <laughs> the fact that you went to bat for Arby's earlier was, well, Mike, I mean, have you ever had Arby's? I've never had Arby's. I've been next to an Arby's, but it sounds like, like roast beef with the cheddar cheese sauce, like cheddar cheese sauce is a staple of roast beef places here. Listen, I, I don't want to bad mouth Arby's like, I like their social media game. Their I, social media game. And I like their... Yeah, there's so, I was actually really sad that Arby's didn't ever tweet about West of Loathing. Like, it felt like it would have been pretty easy for them to do. And it's like, when when Pyre came out and they Arby's tweeted about Pyre, I was like, oh, fuck, we got a chance. And then I was just I was just so sad when it's... It's like, oh. you, you used to have a cowboy... Your, your logo yeah. used to be a cowboy hat, guys. Like, I... Like, I would straight. I thought about contacting them and just saying, "I will just straight up put an Arby's in this game, and it won't. And it won't be like making fun of Arby's. It will just be like you can go to Arby's and get a sandwich, and it will be good if you would just tweet about it." But I like. We eventually decided, like, eh, no. Like we're against product placement, even for products that we believe in. Yeah. Like it's, you know. But but I like. It was a thing. Like ah oh, man. No. Maybe you should tweet at them with a picture of, like some Arby's food, and then you make your own cardboard little cutout of a guy. And yeah, like, I, I guess I could also just draw an Arby's and put it in a test scene, and then send them a screenshot of West of, of an Arby's and West of Loathing, and see if <laughs> just see never if they never even occurred to me to do that, and then not actually release it. 
but but yeah, I have the power to do that. Like I know where all the code is. <laughs> so it's, we're we're just gonna mobilize your community to everyone should tweet at Arby's <laughs> that this yeah. needs to be a thing now. Yeah, no. it really is perfect. I mean, just draw just draw a stick figure with the old Arby's hat, like the same thing. Yep. Make the hat red. It's the one. Mm. It's the one thing of color in your blood. The the game. one thing with color, yeah. The hit point bars, man. Uh, the, we we had a bunch of internal debate about whether to make the hit point bars red or black. Um, I think they ended up black, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Everything everything is black. There's nothing. Yeah, they were red for a long time. There's, I mean, there's like blue text that describes. Like the, you get some colored text when you uh, do elemental damage and stuff. Okay. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess I forgot that that change did go in. The the hit point bars used to be red. I wonder. I can't now. I'm trying to think if when you get hit with elemental damage, it might it might be red when it hits you. So like, if you take damage from fire, I think it's orange, and if you take stench damage, I think it's green. Okay. Like we we've always like KOL has always had color in the text, um, and like the enchantments on items when you look at them show up in blue. Interesting. Um, well, we need to. Arby's needs to now. We're gonna yeah. we're making this happen. I don't care what we have to do, but. We're going to do it. We're going to make your community. I'm going to get on the subreddit. Well, now that we've settled that, guys, I'm afraid I have to run. That's fine. We're, I know we're past the time for you. Um, but before you go, first of all, thank you so much, Zach, for coming on and spending the time with us. I know you're busy. Yeah, guy. thanks for having me. This is this has been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Um, anything you want to plug, the floor is yours. Uh, well, you can, uh, if you, if you want to listen to more of me talking about video games, you can check out, uh, the podcast that I'm on with some of the other West of Loathing guys and, uh, and Jim Crawford, the, the guy who made the Frog Fractions games. Uh, it's called Video Games Hot Dog, and you can find it at videogameshotdog.com. Um, and I'm at Zap Jackson on Twitter, and, uh, yeah, West, West of Loathing. It's a video game that you might like. You better buy it. I know I forgot to bring up, I, I listened to the, your most recent episode of Video Games Hot Dog today. It was the first time I listened to any of your podcasts, but I enjoyed it. Ah, well, thanks. Gonna, I hit that subscribe button. Nice. But, uh, again, Zach, thank you for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And uh, until next time.